are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much. God's good. Let's just stand up one more time. I know we've been standing and sitting, and you stood up for me, and thank you. You know, how many want to receive uh, some revival tonight? Who, who want? The last four places that we've ministered, four places that would be uh, High Prairie, Fort St. John. Are we? Uh, we are. Okay. Uh, Winnipeg and Hamilton. All four places the spirit of revival came. And all four places went into extended meetings to one degree or another. And if it wasn't for Christmas, we'd probably still be going in four different places. But the spirit of revival is in Canada right now. It's not coming. It's, it's here, but it's not only here, it's manifesting. And what it's manifesting is heart-to-heart interaction and deep heart-to-heart change and visitation and habitation and and, it, and, you know, it's funny, I mean, we've been doing conferences for years. We've been in different revivals, and just one meeting, everything changed, and God showed up. And, and people started ending up on the floor, then more people ended up on the floor, then more people ended up on the floor, and then they couldn't get up for three hours, and it just kept going. And when people got off the floor, they were transformed. Now, these people were people who have been in church, some of them their whole life. But God is meeting his people because there's an inward work that he wants to do so that we can bring in the harvest. And when we bring in the harvest, we want them to, to bring them somewhere where God's moving. We don't just want them to get saved. We want them to be passionate. So let's put out our hands like this, expecting to receive something tonight from heaven. Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, this, is, this year is going to be the best year that we've ever had. And Father, we thank you. It's the day you've made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. But Father, we expect to receive something from heaven tonight. We expect to receive something for somebody, anything for anybody. God, we're expecting you to move tonight in our lives, in our spouses, in our children, our grandchildren, our grandparents, our parents. Father, we expect you to move in this church, in our lives. We expect divine direction. We expect you to come and to begin to move and let your glory fall. And wherever you want it to fall, let it fall tonight. Lord, let your glory fall and let it keep falling. Holy Spirit, come and keep coming tonight. Lord, I pray for the next four days that your glory would come and keep coming and wouldn't stop coming. And God, when it comes, it would come more. And when it comes more, it would come even more. And after it's come even more, more would come. Lord, that we would be saturated with your presence, full of your glory, shining like a bright light. God, that we'd be like John the Baptist, that it was shining, was a shining and a burning lamp. So God, do it. You're the only one that can do it. We're asking you to come. Lord, let Coal Lake be ignited, be set on fire. May this whole Lakeland area be consumed by the fire of God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. And, uh, you know, we were actually, we, the last place we were at, where was it? We were in the Fort St. John. And uh, God told me the fire of God was going to come. And, uh, and it was Sunday morning, we were in a Lutheran church, and there was a lot of people there. 
Can you imagine? I didn't know Lutherans. There was a lot of Lutherans went to church. Did you know that? But I found out in Fort St. John there are. And there was a whole full church, more than like double this. And most people hadn't been in revival. But they had all the little children. We're talking like three, four, five-year-old children up here. You know, right before you preach, they send the children out. And I just told the pastor on the way to the meeting that the fire of God is going to fall. So the children left, and I, told, I, I leaned over, and I said, you know what? That's what Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like. Yeah. Kingdom of heaven is like. Well, you know what happened? The kids didn't even get to the Sunday school class. Some of them started running back to their parents, and you could hear them. They're like, Daddy, there's fire, the fire, the fire, the fire. And they're like, what? The fire. And so one dad jumped up, and he looked at, where's the fire? There, the fire. Don't you see the fire? And the fire. The kids were seeing the fire. And then that night, the fire fell. And the pastor was so happy. He said, there, there's this woman. She's been a, in the Lutheran. God bless you if you're a Lutheran. I mean, tell you, Lutheran, if, if revival comes to Lutherans, we're all in good shape. So, so she, uh, she ends up on the floor. And, and when she got up, she was transformed. I won't say what, what else. You know, it te- you know, wallets tend to get loosed in revival. You know, it's an amazing thing. Is, is, uh, can I say that in Cold Lake? Man, that's a bright light. That's a bright and shining light. Probably because I'm standing here. If I was up there, it wouldn't be so bright. It would still be bright. Hi, you guys. We had quite a drive here. You know that, right? You know it was snowing. And I live in Abbotsford. It doesn't snow there. It rains. You live in Ottawa. The sun shines, what, 364 days out of the year? Okay, good. Well, hallelujah, God is good. A lot of hot air in Ottawa. Yeah, it stays warm. Um, I want to share something very briefly. Uh, I, the message I'm sharing tonight is the, uh, is the last day's weapon that God is about to give the church, has given the church. This is the message I preached all four places, and God just showed up. Because God is going to give the church something that the world is going to need in this hour. It's probably not what you're expecting unless you've heard the message. You're not expecting this weapon. But it'll be the greatest weapon that God's going to use in your life, in your family's life, and on the earth, in the church. And it's all in the Bible. And it was Bob Jones. Ever heard of Bob Jones? Bob Jones is a prophet. He's in heaven now. It was Bob Jones' very last published word. He actually only published like one page or so. But when I read it, the Holy Spirit visited me and gave me a download and a dream of the last day weapon he's about to give the church that will ultimately destroy Satan underneath your feet. Can you imagine that? And it's in the Bible. And it'll be, the, it'll be the thing that the world will look for because in the last days, the world won't be looking for more money or a bigger car or a bigger house. They're going to be looking for peace. That's what they're going to be looking for. You see, and the issue in the church is the, most of the church worries about things as much as the, as much as the world does. They have the same worries about their children, their marriage, world affairs. It shouldn't be this way, but most Christians worry about things just as much as the world does. But I'm going to tell you, it's about to change. God is going to give us a super, he's already done it, but we're going to have a supernatural peace. It's going to pass all understanding, and the world's going to run to you and get it. We'll find out because the whole world is looking for peacemakers. Did you know that? How do we know that? It says that all creation groans, and they're groaning for something. It's groaning for a manifestation, the Bible says, of the sons of God, right? So all of creation is looking for something. What? The sons of God. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So what's all creation looking for? Peacemakers. Anyway, you'll get that. But before that, I wanted to share something. How many heard about the the bombings in, in, in Indonesia? and people that were killed there. Well, we're going to Indonesia in a little less than two months, and we're going to be going right there at, at that point. I've been there many, many times in that area, stayed at the hotel across the street. Um, 
I've been there 15 times to Indonesia. Can you imagine 15 times to Indonesia be our 16th time? And I didn't want to go there. But God said, you're going to go in 2004 when I was with Heidi Baker in a meeting. She was on the floor. God said, you're going to Indonesia and Malaysia. And I said, God, I want to go to Florida and Hawaii. He says, no, you're going to Indonesia. You're going to Malaysia. And so we've been there. It's going to be our 16th time. But the reason that I'm sharing this is just before I came here, I, I read, Sammy, you're going to like this, that during this whole thing, because there was an attack, it was earlier today, actually, in, 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 in Indonesia, and the president was in a place called Chirbon. And Chirbon is very, very special to me because we were there last year. We were in Chirbon last year. Now, you can't get there by plane. You've got to go there by train. If you've ever gone on an Indonesian train, I mean, you get a star in your crown just for that, Bill, just, just for traveling, the Indonesian train star. And, uh, and so, it, so it, it was actually the last of an event that God told me to pray for before revival started breaking out in our lives and in our services, and that was this. A couple of years ago, God told me in a dream, and I had five consecutive dreams about Holland. Any, any Dutch people here? If you're not Dutch, you're not much, so you're not here. Okay, good. <laughs> And I had a dream where the audible voice of God spoke to me, said there's an event that occurs in The Hague, Netherlands, every year, and every year Canada gets smacked. God told me that, his voice in my dream. So every year there's an event that happens in The Hague, and because of that event, every year Canada gets smacked. And I saw this big hand come, and, it, and all these people were ready for revival, boom, back into the cave they went every year. They came out ready for revival, back into the cave, every year, every year, every year. I woke up, I was freaked out, I, I phoned Fatine, I phoned all, I phoned my friend, like, what does this mean, we need to pray, and then I had another four dreams, right away, like, almost consecutive nights, about Holland and Canada, and how what happened in Holland, and what happens in Holland, affects us way more than we know, and so I couldn't figure it out, and I was praying, and praying, and praying, and God told me, in the dream, I had to go to Whistler, to do, how many have heard any of this, to go to a prayer summit, and I had to have a prayer summit, and, and, and we had to erase stuff that happened on the mountain, and we had to deal with this thing. But I couldn't figure out what we had to deal with this. What did this have to do with Canada? What does Holland have to do with Canada? And so I was in, uh, a couple of years ago, I was in um, Airdrie. You know, oh, yeah, that's in Alberta. Airdrie, Alberta, near Calgary. And I'm sitting there, and God said, this is what it is. So tell the ladies. So we're sitting at a table, Shirley and I, having supper. I said, well, this is what it is. I already knew there was an event in the Second World War, most of you probably know, where the, the uh, royal family from Holland came to Canada. How many knew that? And she was pregnant, the queen was pregnant, and they, to avoid the Nazis, they came to the Memorial Hospital, is that what it's called? Memorial Hospital in Ottawa. And Mackenzie King passed, actually evoked a law, and it's called, you can look it up, it's called the International Something or the Other, where they're allowed to put the nation of Canada under another nation for a period of time in a time of distress. So in other words, basically if Canada can't defend itself, they're allowed to have another nation sort of come up over us to defend us. Does that make sense? No, but anyway, they have such a law. So for 48 hours, the Dutch flag flew over, I believe it was uh, 1942, flew over the Canadian Parliament building. How many knew that? That the Dutch flag flew over the Parliament building in 1942 for two days, 48 hours. And, and the reason why is the Queen was pregnant, and if that child was not born in Holland, then the child could not be a prince or princess. So that's why. So they flew the flag. So Canada literally, or the hospital room, they said, 
but literally became Holland for 48 hours. The princess was born, so now she's a princess because she was born in Holland even though she wasn't, but it was declared Holland. So that's what happened. I mean, you wouldn't think these things matter, but you see, we need to listen. We need the prophetic, you guys. We don't have the prophetic, we're not going anywhere. Without a vision, the people perish. We need prophetic words that will change nations, not prophetic words that will tickle our ears or, you know, just we feel good. That's not why we need the prophetic. We need prophets to be able to speak and to be, to be able to dictate the spiritual atmosphere. The world is not going to shake or quake at the church. They'll laugh at the church if they don't have the prophetic. But when they have true prophetic that shakes nations and changes nations, they will take notice. I'm telling you, in the Bible, people took notice. And they were in such a fear, the Bible says at one point nobody would dare join the church. Why? Because they feared them because what they said happened. We're going to see that again in Canada, I'm telling you. We already are. But we're going to see it in a greater way. People are looking for leaders that lead, not leaders that have a title. And they're looking for leaders that are convinced of what they believe, not just believe what they believe. And that when they speak, things happen. It's called the zeal of God. The Bible tells us that in the book of Isaiah, it's chapter 9, talks about the government of God will be upon his shoulders. And you know what it says, how, what will accomplish it? It says the zeal of God will accomplish it. Do you know what accomplishes the work and the government of God? Zeal. Wow. Woo, hallelujah. Not my zeal, the zeal of God in me and you. We need zeal back in the church. Zeal is a fire that will propel you to begin to move in the things that you claim that you say that you believe in. That's zeal. We need that. Amen? Woo! Hallelujah. Good preaching. I know I'm in Cold Lake. It feels good in here. Because God's not about to do something. He is doing something. And so anyway, I told the ladies this. I said, you know what? The flag flew. We came under the rule of Holland at some level. And something came into the nation. And I said, God wants to deliver us. The, as I'm speaking, Shirley goes, hey, you just got an email right now from uh, Red Leaf Prayer. Do you know those guys? What's her, what's her name um, from Langley? Sarah. Sarah Maynard. She sends me an email. You know what it is? It's a press release. Now, this is in 2012 now. So this is, this is a couple of years ago, 2012. This isn't my message, by the way. This, uh, this, I'm going to talk about Cheerbond a little bit. It is good. Because I knew when I read it that God's doing something. Oh, hallelujah. In Canada. Because all those 15 times I've been in Indonesia were always for Canada every time. I went there to sow so we can reap in Canada. That's what he, it doesn't make sense, but that's how God moved. No, we're going again. But, but anyway, so Sarah, I, I open up the email. It's a press release. So this is now 2012. And, and it says today, and I had no idea. It says today, uh, in remembrance of the, of the 70th anniversary of flying the Dutch flag over the parliament buildings, in 1942, 70 years earlier to that day, the day God told me, 70 years. You know, 70 years is, is a term for captivity, but also the number 70 means the end of captivity. It says 70 years in remembrance, we're going to fly the Dutch flag for 48 hours over the parliament building. Do you know that the Dutch flag flew over the parliament buildings, I believe it was in January, in, in 2012 for 48 hours? Dutch flag. God's good. I said, God, I got to do something. He said, yeah, you got to go to Whistler. So I remember uh, uh, the, the, uh, the next morning was Sunday morning, and the flag was still flying because it was flying for the next 6 o'clock the next day, and I was at Craig Broker's church. God said, you're going to do it today. 
He said, here's what you're going to do. You're not going to rebuke any principality. Come down this, do that, rebuke that. Don't have to rebuke nothing. You're going to declare, just like Daniel did. You don't see him rebuking a whole bunch of things. The angels were doing the fighting. He just declared it's an end according to the word of the Lord. That's all he did. He's agreed with the word of the Lord. So I went. I walked into the church. How many know who Craig Broker is? Wonderful, wonderful church, Victory Church in Calgary. I walk in. Guess what flowers, fresh flowers they had in front of the pulpit? Tulips. Do you know every year they bring tulips to Ottawa? Tulip bulbs. Holland brings uh, uh, as a gift every year. And I said, who brought some lady from South Africa? You know what South Africa was, used to be run by the Dutch? You know Indonesia used to be run by the Dutch for 350 years. Did you know that? The Dutch ran Indonesia. Now we're getting to the good part here. Anyway, so I got up. You know what? I'm just like you. But listen, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're just like me or like anybody that has the Holy Spirit. But the moment you stand up and begin to speak what he has to say, then you go to another level in the Spirit. Yeah, it doesn't matter what title you have. You can have no title. I'm telling you, in hell and heaven, they know if you know that you know what you know. They know. And when you say it, they know they have to do it. There's no recourse. The gavel comes down the moment you say it. You don't have to get loud. You just have to say it. And I, I didn't even know what I was doing, but I was obeying God. And I said, you know, today we're just going to declare that this thing that happened in Holland through the queen, the whole thing, and the princess, whatever, the flag went up, the flag came down, the flag's up now. So we have an opportunity. I said, it's over. And the next day, that Monday, the queen of Holland, the next day, abdicated the throne. The next day. The next day. You go on the internet, find all this stuff. The next day. How does that happen? You know what? God's bigger than who we think he is. The Bible says he holds the heart of the king and queen in his hand, does whatever he wants with them. How does the queen of Holland resign the next day? You know what? That, this isn't even the good part. This is just the preamble. Because it wasn't dealt with yet. I had to go to Holland. And so then all of a sudden, I started panicking. Now, you may not panic. I rarely panic unless I have a word from the Lord and it's und- I haven't done it yet. And then I want to get it done. But I didn't know how to do it. And so I'd phone my friends and I'd be talking. And it would always end up, in, it didn't matter what, I'd be talking about meetings, I'd be talking about, the, and at the end I'm like, we need to go to Whistler. We, we have to go to Whistler. Why do we have, well, we got to deal with it. But I didn't know, and I'm like, but God, I don't have enough information. But you see, I forgot about my dream, because in my dream, when God was telling me what happened in Holland and The Hague and all this stuff, and you have to go to Whistler, sure, I was telling Shirley, and in the middle of it, Shirley goes, Charlie. What does he mean by that? And God said in the dream, tell her that if I had to tell Shirley everything this means, it'd mean a five-tape series and I don't have time. And then he just kept talking. So God still uses tapes, not CDs. But in other words, you've got enough information. Do it. And so I'm like, okay. So so now, last uh, May, pardon me, April, last April, a year ago, April, I'm in Indonesia, and I'm in the city of Chirbon. Probably none of you have heard of Chirbon. That's where the president was today in Chirbon. When I read that today, I knew that God wanted me to share this with you right here because God's doing something special in Canada. I knew it. Whoever talks about Chirbon? God. Because I was in Chirbon after the three-hour train ride, and I'm in Chirbon, and I'm praying and we had a face-to-face thing with, with Fatine because she was planning this thing in Montreal and this cry. And, she's in, and, and so I'm talking to her. And I said, we got to go to Whistler. 
And finally, when we were done, Sammy goes, Dad, you got to stop that. I said, what? He goes, just do it. Get a date and do it. I said, oh, boy. My son's always right, like my wife. I'm surrounded by two people who are always right, and they are. And so I'm like, okay, i got to do it. Then I'm going to choose a date. I'm going to choose a date. You know what? May the 5th. I said, we'll do it. Let's go to Whistle May the 5th. I said, check the Internet. Is there anything about Holland on May the 5th? I mean, if, if God's going to do it, he's going to do it good, right? He goes, he goes Dad, you're not going to believe it. I said, what? He said, May the 5th is the 70th anniversary of Canada freeing Holland in the Second World War. And I said, May the 5th and 6th, we'll do it two days. May the 5th and 6th. May 5th, they, 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 they surrendered, but May 6th is when the generals actually got together and gave them, signed whatever they signed. May 5th and 6th. And I'm saying, 70 years? Are you kidding me? I said, we're doing it. So now we're in Cheerbon, and now I'm pumped. I'm like, shut Oh, God, hallelujah, that burden's lifted. I know I'm supposed to go. So I'm praying. I always look at the back of hotel doors. I can't, you know, I get, I'm a signs prophet. If you, I get signs, God speaks me through the simplest things, and because I acknowledge the simple, sometimes he gives me the big. If you're faithful with the little, God will give you the big. So I'm praying back and forth, and all of a sudden, I keep thinking about these stamps that I have in Quebec. And when, I, when I'm praying and I start thinking about something, I don't care if it has anything to do with any meeting or anything that I'm doing right now. If it keeps coming over and over and over, I know God's trying to speak to me. And I'm thinking, God, I have these, I have the rarest stamps because my great-great-great-great-grandfather was an original member of parliament. He also established the, helped establish the uh, Quebec Assembly in Quebec City. And I have the original, earliest stamps in history in Canada in my possession. They were back in Quebec. And I thought, you know, they're probably worth a lot of money. That's what I'm thinking. I thought, you know what? I'm going to look up to see how much they're worth. So I put in, you know, Quebec National Assembly. And this big red seal comes up. Not a stamp, a seal. And before stamps, they use seals. Did you know that? They put a seal and they stamp it. This big red seal with a stamp. Well, I have some of those too in my possession. Little tiny envelopes. Like 1830 stuff. 1839, 1840, 1850. So I'm looking at this big red seal. God goes, Charlie, the call of this city is to break the big red seal. And I'm like, great. Here we go again. Okay, what does that mean? So I'm shut down. But I know it's God. He says, you break the seal. They're called to break the big wax seal. Pardon me, the big red wax seal. Well, who, what does that mean to you? God has called you to break the big red wax seal. That's your call. And he said, you're going to tell the church it's going to be your message. I said, I don't have that message on hand. He goes, well, you will today. I said, this church is 1,800 people. They were attacked by terrorists a year ago. And many churches we've been to have been attacked just before, after, thank God, not during. But anyway, so I'm going to give them this message. That's your job. You're going to break the big red seals. So wax seals. And uh, so I'm pr- but I don't give up, so I'm praying. And then I look at the name of the city because it says such, such a hotel, name of the city. The name of the city is Chirbon. You know where it's spe- what it's spelled? C-I-R-E-B-O-N. Do you know what that means in French letter for letter? Good wax. That's what it means. C-I-R-E means wax. Any French people here? Yes. That means wax, right? B-O-N means good. Good wax. That's the name of the city, good wax. I'm like, this is, this is unbelievable. The name of the city is good wax. And if they're called by, I said, I'm preaching this message. This is going to preach. So I get up there. Heart and, nobody speaks English. Heart, I don't know if anybody spoke English there. In the, oh, one guy did. And the pastor doesn't. He's a lady pastor. So I'm, gonna, I'm heading to Whistler as soon as I'm done. We're going to do this thing in Whistler. I'm so excited. But they're called to break the, 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 this, the power of this big red wax um, seal. I don't have a clue what, the, what they're talking about. So 
I get up and I'm preaching like I know what I'm doing, right? You're called. Here's your, they're taking notes, right? Break the wax symbol. You're going to break the wax seal. And they don't say nothing. So I preach for about an hour and a half. The glory comes. And that's all you want anyway. Once the glory comes, who cares, right? Then it's all good. That pastor, she doesn't smile. She sits there. Then we go for lunch. Then she smiles. She gets the interpreter to come over. And he's, he's like looking at her. Huh? And she's talking. He's like, what? And so then she gets these pictures. She's telling this one guy to get the camera ready. So the interpreter tells me. She's talking. interpreter tells me. In 2012, she brought a team to two places. One, Whistler, British Columbia. And to go up the mountain and pray. Two, they went to The Hague in the Netherlands. And then she showed me the picture of a big red seal on the 350-year-old contract of when Holland took over uh, Indonesia. And she broke the power. They broke the power of that red seal and of the Dutch rule that was over them for 350 years in the same year that they went to Whistler. How does that even happen? I'm going to tell you something. I don't understand. People say, well, what happened? I don't care what happened. I just know something came off Canada. Do I love the Dutch? Yes. If you're not Dutch, you're not much. I love the Dutch. God bless the Dutch. But I'm telling you what. Revival has been in my blood ever since. Something happened. Because I was obedient to do what God called me to do. But I've been going to Indonesia all these years, and, and they were cooperating with what God was doing with them and with us. How does that all work? Listen, you guys, the prof- we need prophets. There are fewer prophets. I don't even call myself one. I'm, I, I, at times I am one, let's put it that way. In Canada, we need a prophetic voice that will say something and change the atmosphere. We try to be right all the time, and you're wrong, and we're right. How's it working for you? It doesn't work. <laughs> love is what we need. Love. If you move in love and love people, God will give you this kind of stuff. So, okay, that's not my word. That's just dessert. And the reason I said that is because in, in Indonesia, I mean, they blew up my favorite hotel a few years ago. Like, seriously, blew it. They blew the whole thing up. I met the number one wanted man in the world before bin Laden. The number one wanted man in the world was a terrorist. His best friend blew up the Bali Hotel. I met him in the church. He got saved, praise God, a few years before. Thank God. All he did was pray in tongues the whole time. I didn't even know who this guy was. He didn't speak in English. He flew in from this other part. God told him to come to my meeting. Well, he didn't come to hear me. I came here to hear him because I'm sitting at the table, and the pastor told me who he was, and I just backed up about two or three inches back. (laughs) I'm like, wow. And I I remember reading about this guy. He was number one wanted man in the world. The only question I couldn't ask him was how many people he'd killed. That's what he told me through the, inter- through the pastor. Now, now, he works for the government, so I can share all this stuff. He works for the government of Indonesia. He's, he's a policeman now. Can you imagine? You know how he got saved? First of all, he told me this. He says, I want to tell you something. I was one of the top Al-Qaeda operatives in the world, in the world, because they have three different places in Indonesia. He says, every single Al-Qaeda leader and every major terrorist leader is a witch, every one of them, without exception. Without exception. We all do sacrifices. We all do blood sacrifices. And we all gain power from sacrificing and coming into agreement and covens and all that stuff. He said, we're all witches and we use the, uh, the Muslims to hide. Yeah. We hide, we hide inside the Muslim uh, religion. It's amazing. Oh, hallelujah. But he said, one night... I went to burn down a Bible school. They would burn down Bible schools. They'd start a fire at one end, and they'd run, the kids would run out, and then they'd have machetes and bats at the other end and kill them. 
and he'd, he'd, he'd burnt down hundreds of them and many churches. And one night he was in the middle of it. In the middle of the night, he jimmied the door, opened the door, and they were having a Bible, uh, they were in a prayer meeting in the dark. And he said the pastor, found out later, was speaking in tongues. And he said whatever that guy was saying, he saw the words come right out of his mouth because he could see in the spirit. He said I could walk up to a policeman, talk to him for an hour, and that policeman would have a picture of me because he'd been tipped off that I'd be in the area, and I'd talk to him, he wouldn't know it was me. I could cloak myself in the demonic, people wouldn't even know who I was. He said that's why it's hard to catch terrorists. They hide in the demonic. We, you know what? The wrath of man doesn't fulfill the righteousness of God. Stop getting mad at Muslims right now. It'll do you no good. You need the wisdom of God. And praying in tongues. Because when that guy prayed in tongues, he said he saw the words come right out of his mouth. White letters. There's funny letters come up, and it came right around like this, and he said it snapped him right in the head. It was like it punched him right in the head, the letters. He said his head snapped back. He dropped his stuff on the ground. He didn't know why he was there. He didn't even know his name, and he ran home. And he said it freaked him out so much. He said every time he would have a meal, he would start to eat. He said Jesus would appear to him. After two weeks, he got saved. I thought, what took you so long? He says you cannot defeat that spirit in your native tongue. You can't do it. You can't do it. You see, things that are coming on the earth, you've got to have the power of God. If you don't have the power of God, you're not going to destroy them. You'll just get madder and madder and madder. You need to have the Spirit of God. Woo! Hallelujah! You need the Spirit of God. You know what he does now? This is his job, and he works for the government. The government pays him to do it. He just prays in tongues all the time. He says, God will tell me where there's going to be an attack. He says, I'll go down, and he says, I'll just stand there and pray in tongues. And he says, when the guy shows up, I'll just start praying in tongues in his face, and he'll scream and run off. Why do I tell you this? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. If your fight now is against flesh and blood, you've already lost. You're dealing with spiritual entities, principalities, and powers. See, those, those things aren't going to move when we get mad. Woo! But if you have power... Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. Then things will change. Thank you very much. I need that. I was actually looking for some. Most of them were half empty. Didn't the Bible say that? That God would give us power? And not just, whoa, power, I'm powerful. No, no, no. When you need it. Okay, good. That's part one. I think I'll preach three of your best sermons you've ever heard tonight, Bill. That's a sort of an inside joke. Bob Jones passed away, would be two years ago, this February. Um, I was in a church in Calgary, and uh, in the church they had this little thing, you know, picture of Bob and his last word. I didn't read it. It just said the apple blossoms. And if you've ever heard Bob Jones, I mean, the guy speaks English, but you still need an interpreter. I mean, he, you know, he's, he's awesome, but different sometimes. And so... I'm telling you, if I were you, I would just let the Son of God just come and mess you up right now. I'll tell you what, Malachi's in the room. I mean, not Malachi, but the Malachi 4, the Son of Righteousness, is rising with healing in his wings. Literally, the Son of Righteousness is in this room. God's going to do something. And God's going to do something on the earth before it's all done. Mark my words, he's going to do something awesome. He will. The devil ain't going to get credit for anything. God is going to be exalted. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Amen? And so, um, so Bob, I, I grabbed his word and I preached. 
but I never read it. It was called The, the Apple Blossoms, and, and, and I lived in uh, the middle of thousands of acres of apple trees in, in southern Quebec. And uh, so the smell of apple blossoms is wonderful, you know, especially in this, well, they only come out in the spring. And uh, <clears throat> so, but I didn't read it, but I didn't realize that Bob has this thing on the fruit of the Spirit, the nine fruit of the Spirit. And every fruit, because he had this heavenly experience, he saw every fruit, every fruit of the Spirit had a representative on the earth. And so, the, so peace represented apples, but I didn't know that. Anyway, that's his thing. You can, you can see that online. But I didn't read it. But when I went home, without reading his word, God began to speak to me. And scriptures begin to appear. Now, that doesn't happen every day. I wish it did, but it didn't. It doesn't. But scriptures begin to appear in front of me. Isn't that awesome? I didn't even need to look at the Bible. They just appeared. They're just like a ticker tape right across. But whenever it happens, then I know uh, it's awesome, but now I have a responsibility. It's like angelic visitation. I've had angels. You've had many. You have angelic visitations if you're saved. But God allows me to see some sometimes and hear when they talk to me. And I got really excited. Until one day, one of the angels said, you know why we come? Actually, it was in Indonesia when he told me. I said, why do you come? He goes, you're not listening. I said, to God? He goes, yes. Oh. So, you know, people that get angelic visitations could be less spiritual than the rest of us. I'm telling you. Oh. See, God gets all the glory when you talk like this. He does. You say, well, there's angelic visitations. Listen. I didn't ask for them. They just came because I have a job to do. And God's going to make sure I have a job to do, uh, even if he has to send the angels to tell me something. God's pretty good, eh? Yeah, so, so I'm sitting there, and these scriptures came, in. they're all about peace. Seek peace and pursue it. And I'm thinking, why is that even in the Bible? Seek peace. I mean, Jesus is the prince of peace. He lives in me. Why do I need to seek peace and pursue it? The Bible says, seek peace and pursue. Pursue it, right? It says, pursue peace with all men. And holiness, without which no man can see the Lord. Well, you can't just seek holiness. You have to pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no man can see the Lord. And all these scriptures about peace. So finally, I'm like, God, how come you're, what are these scriptures about? Peace, seek peace, pursue peace, go after peace. What are you talking about? He says, read Bob's words. So I opened it up, and it called, bless, it's called, blessed are the peacemakers. And he talks about the peacemakers that God is releasing on the earth to release God's final weapon against the enemy. Hallelujah. Woo! Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. But you know what the sword is? It's the sword of peace. What he's saying is, like he, he said it in different words. He said this, I didn't come to bring you the peace that the world brings. But I am coming to bring you peace, but not like the world. There is a sword of peace that God is, is, is giving the church. Not everybody's going to have it, but some will. Not all the church is going to get it, but enough will. Because in this day when things are going sideways and fear is mounting and fear is, eva- fear, fear is appearing on the earth and, and, fe- and, um, and peace is evaporating. You know there's a peace on the earth? There's just an earthly peace that's evaporating because it's not eternal. didn't come from God. But as long as that peace is around, people sort of feel okay about life. They feel good. They can go on with their life. They can do what they do and watch the movies and do their thing, and they feel relatively at peace. However, when that peace begins to evaporate, people get nervous. People start looking to other sources. People start looking for hope. When your peace starts moving, you start looking for some hope. You start looking for something to drop your anchor in. And so you start looking for security. People will trade in peace for security. 
because they think by having some kind of a security, it'll bring them peace. You understand what I'm saying? But there's a world's peace that Jesus said, I'm not come to bring that peace. I'm going to bring my peace, that the world cannot take that peace away. However, you don't just get it when you get saved. You get a measure of the peace, but it's like the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. How many are moving in that every day all the time? You see, they're all seeds. You didn't get the big, you didn't get the big apple. You get the seed of the apple. And so those things are inside of you. And if you'll trust God, believe God, press in, at some level, they're going to begin to bear fruit in your life. Hallelujah. Woo! Praise God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the what? Sons of God. Not peacekeepers, peacemakers. And Bob says in his word, he said this. This is the word that Bob had. He saw the weapons of peace in the last days. He said they were the most terrorizing, we terrifying weapons he'd ever seen in the spirit, ever, and he'd seen lots of them. He said they were terrifying to look at. Terrifying to look at. You know for who? The enemy, but it was even terrifying for him. He said they were so He said they were like nuclear weapons. Now listen, do you know what a nuclear weapon is called? A peacekeeper. Do you know what a, a nuclear missile is called? A peacemaker. You don't even have to use it and you keep peace. Do you know, why, that, that, do you know why, it, why China and Russia and all these nations have not attacked the United States? Because of 1,500 nuclear weapons? You can say, God, yeah, God, and 1,500 nuclear bombs <laughs> on submarines that go right next to Russia, and they know they're there, and they've come over here, and it's, you probably better you don't know all that stuff. But anyway, they're there all over the place. They're called peacemakers. They're the most powerful weapons on earth, but we have a more powerful weapon to keep peace with. It's the sword of the peace of God. And the problem is we haven't known how to use it, how to wield it, how to keep it, and how to establish that base in our life so that we minister out of a place of peace. Most ministers don't minister out of a place of peace. Build us. That's the first thing my wife said. Same with Bobby Connor. When you find people that minister out of a place of peace, They'll have a longevity and a peace in their life. You're like, well, how come these guys can just keep going? Because they have peace. And you know what? Jesus taught the disciples. When you go out, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. But before you do any of that, what did he say? You go into a town and you look for the man of peace. You look for a town. You look for a house. You go to a town. You look for a house. You go into that house and you release your what? Peace. If it's worthy, it'll rest on that place. And that's your base of operations from now on. If it's not worthy, it'll come back to you. Once you had your place of peace, then you could minister out of it. No ministering out of a place of peace, something's going to go around down the road. Peace, it's not only valuable, you have to have it, especially in this season now. You see, it, you know, in the past, people get away. You can't get away from it now. The whole world's going to be looking for people with peace. When the whole world's falling apart and you can walk right in and the wind and the waves are flying around and you're just standing there and go, peace, be still, and the, everything stops, they're going to say, I want what you have. I don't care what everybody else says. When their life is falling apart, when their issues are eating them up, and you can walk in and not only have peace yourself, but release peace to others, and that's the key. This is not about me having peace. This is about you having peace. This is about you having peace in your family, on your children, on your marriage, on your home. It's about having peace in your nation. And it's about keeping peace. Making peace, pardon me. It's about making peace. Isn't that good yeah. so far? 
Let's, let's take a look in, in um, James 3. You want righteousness? You're going to find out how you get righteousness. It's not how you think. It says this, James 3, 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first, what, pure? Then number two is what? Peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good, what, fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. So it says the wisdom that is, that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. But look at this, verse 18, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's why we don't have righteousness in the church like we should have. It's not sown in peace by those that can make peace. It's not. It's preached. Sometimes people yell at you. And, and the do's and the don'ts, and they're all there. But it doesn't produce lasting, uh, lasting righteousness. Why? I'm going to say it again. The fruit of righteousness. I mean, I want the fruit of righteousness. How does it come? It is sown in what? Peace. By those that what? Make peace. Peacemakers. Who are the ones that are going to be able to produce righteousness where they minister long-lasting righteousness are those that sow in peace and make peace it's amazing you know i know every time oh, i look at this you know who this guy is stephen carlton steve, uh, did you we introduce steve steve didn't you you were at the olympics right and you did, were you leading the way there do, do you remember the, the two i knew that i'm just saying remember the 2010 olympics in in vancouver and remember this Inuit guy come up with the drum? That's him. Him. Led the procession. A holy roller. He's a good man. He loves God. He loves his people. He's often up in the north. And, but you see, there's, there's peace. The anointing of peace will be released out of the First Nations people. I know that will. I know it will. You can mark it down. Yeah, you can mark it down. It's going to happen. Some of the greatest peacemakers in the world are going to come from the First Nations people. And it's just going to come up in the inside of them, and it's going to create peace everywhere they go. They're going to walk into even land that's in turmoil, and their feet will bring peace. What does the Bible say? It says, uh, how lovely on the mountains, feet of them, preach good news. Yeah, and then what's the rest of that? There's some peace in there somewhere anyway. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's pretty good. So let's go to James 3, pardon me, no, Matthew 10. See, what I'm giving you here today, I mean, it's in the Bible, but God has hidden, literally hidden, this message for us, not from us, for us, for the right time. He, he hides his power. Did you know that? The Bible says, Malachi 3, verse 4. It says, it says, out of his hands came lightning, and there his power was hidden. That's what it says. So his power is hidden, but he's about to manifest it. Woo, hallelujah. That's revival, it is. Because earlier on it says, God, revive us. Uh, pardon me, it says, revive your work in the midst of the years. That's what revival is. It's the power of God coming out of God's hands, the lightning of God, healing, delivering. Casting out evil, demons, healing. The, the power of God's going to come out of my hands and your hands. And that, out of his hands first, but out of your hands next. Amen? That's what revival is, Matthew 10. Whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and stay there till you go out. So in other words, you've got to establish a base. Now, this is also talking about your life. That's why I like coming here. I like coming to this church. I like the Steves. I feel peace. 
you can ask Sammy or my wife. We don't go to a place where there's no peace. I run. <laughs> so do you. I run. My wife will just leave. She'll sit in the, send the foyer until she's like, nah. You find up. That's why sometimes, well, you keep coming back to this place and this place and that place. And yes, and we still and we will over and over. Why? Because it's a place of peace. And out of the place of peace, you can do stuff. Some of you need to know that. When you're at work, you don't need 100 friends. You need one friend of peace. You need one person of peace to come and agree with you. If two of you agree on earth as, as such and anything, it will be done by my Father which is in heaven. But you know what? Why, why does the two of you agree? It brings peace. When two of you come in agreement, you bring forth a supernatural peace. That's why that scripture is in the Bible. If you don't have peace, one day you can't do it. Because where there's not peace, there's confusion, and every evil, whatever. But when there's agreement, there's always peace. Isn't that good? We need that, you guys. We have underestimated the power of it, but God's allowed. It says, and when you go into a household, greet it. Say, hi, household. If it's worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. Okay, good. Boom. Now I want you to go to Genesis 14. And to me, this is the most important part of what I'm about to say. I'm actually going to be finished in a good time tonight. I'm going to talk about the two individuals that we're dealing with on planet Earth, especially in the Western world, who that God's going to defeat. He's going to defeat the one if you, if you know how to move in the other direction. You say, well, where is it in the Bible that peace is your greatest weapon and it will destroy the enemy? The last thing, the very last thing that Paul the Apostle said in the book of Romans, how many believe that the book of Romans is a foundational book for the church? I would say probably. Pretty foundational. You know what the very, 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 very last instruction that Paul said, one verse, one part of one verse, before he said goodbye, and this one says bye, and that one greets you, the other greets you. The guy knew everybody in town. He said, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Last thing he said. And the God of glory? No. The God of power? No. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. The God of peace will soon. How many think it's sooner than it was 2,000 years ago? Yes. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. Crush him means to wipe him out. Done. Doesn't get back up. Underneath your feet, the God of peace. That's why we have to have this. But I'm telling you, we're going to have it. There's going to be a people going to have it. Not every, not every Christian. Some will. Enough will. You know how many people you need for revival? You just need enough. I had a dream. There were six or eight people in a room. And the audible voice of God boomed over my right shoulder. This many people when revival comes. And I did a head count. I'm like six or eight, and I boom back into heaven. Not enough. Like the, I, like the way God talked to me. I, and then this big shaking voice has shook the whole room. He goes, enough. And I went, okay, no, yes, sir, enough. And the moment he said that, I woke up, and I knew why there was 120 people in the upper room. Why was there 100? You know, people have thought, have thought about it, written books about it. The, you know, the 120 and, and Pentecost, you know, why the 120, what the 120 means. And 120, I know exactly what the 120 means. You know what it means? Enough. There was enough people. 120, God went 119, 120, that's enough. Boom, God came. God's good, eh? 
A kid could figure that out, and it'll take us our lifetime. God only needs enough. If, if two or three gathered my name, that's enough. If two of you agreed, that's enough. That's pretty good, eh? God's pretty good. So here we have a gentleman by the name of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek, according to Paul, we should be talking about him a whole lot more. Paul said that. He said, I'm paraphrasing now, because he talks about Melchizedek in two different places Paul did. And he talks about, well, in Hebrews, so whoever wrote Hebrews, which I think it's Paul, but, you know, that's, that's Bill's coffee shop in his church is Hebrews, right? If you go to Reading, he has a coffee shop called Hebrews. My wife, Shirley, has a ministry called Women of Revival. I said she should have a coffee shop called Shebrews. But anyway, she didn't care for that. So Melchizedek, Paul said we should be talking about it more, but basically, Charlie paraphrased, because you're not ready for that conversation, we really can't talk about it much. And then in the next chapter or two, he starts talking about Melchizedek. So we're going to read that in a minute. But who is Melchizedek? And why is it important that you know who Melchizedek is? It's very important that you know who Melchizedek is. Very, very, very important. How many tithe? Some people tithe. You know why Melchizedek tithed? Because he wanted to. <laughs> Do you know why he tithed? He wanted to tithe. If you're doing stuff, yeah, there's stuff you need to do. But if you need to, it's the willing and obedient, not just the obedient. It says you'll eat the good of the land. I know people that are obedient tithers, and they're always broke and never or rarely blessed. Why? Because they're obedient but not willing. If you're willing and obedient. Willing means you get into your place where you like doing what you're doing for God. <laughs> That's pretty good, eh? If you're willing and obedient, woo, you'll eat the good of the land. Oh, anyway, that's for somebody else to preach. So Melchizedek, you find Melchizedek in Genesis 14. He comes back from a battle. Now, Melchizedek had, I believe it was 319 trained uh, servants. Do you know what they were trained to do? Kill people. Abraham, pardon me. <laughs> Abraham had 319 servants. And Abraham is just coming back from a battle. And Abraham had to side with some guys he didn't want to. You know what one of them was? King of Sodom. How many think he probably wasn't a great guy? King of Sodom probably wasn't a great man. And some other kings. But the reason he sided with them and brought his 319 servants out to fight was because they captured Lot and his family and his stuff. So Abraham went out with these other kings, including the king of Sodom, went after him. The other kings got stuck in a tar pit, literally, and so they, they wiped them out, and, they, and guess who got their stuff? Abraham ends up with all their stuff and the people. How do we know that? Because we find in Genesis chapter 14, it says, verse 17, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shabbat. So here comes the king of Sodom. He's going to meet Abraham because he wants to make a deal with Abraham. The king of Sodom wants to make a deal with you today. The king of Sodom wants to make a deal with Canada. The king of Sodom wants to make a deal with the United States and the Western world and the whole world. That's what he's doing today. But before he could do anything, guess what happened? Melchizedek shows up. Melchizedek shows up. It says this. King of Salem, he brought out some bread and wine. He was the high priest of God. 
He blessed him, blessed Abram, and Abram gave him a, t- a tithe of all. A tithe of all what? All the stuff that he'd just taken. Gave him 10% of it because he wanted to. And he wanted to honor God by giving to Melchizedek, who was the, what, the king of Salem. So that, and hang on, you'll get this in a minute. And it'll affect you, and you probably will never forget this. Because you find out it's one or the other today. Yeah, one or the other. And so, right after he gives a tenth, a tithe, to Melchizedek, guess who shows up? King of Sodom. And he tries to make a deal. He says, listen, give me the men, but keep all the stuff for yourself. Abraham Abraham says, ain't going to do it. He says, I've sworn before God. And he says, I'm not going to give you nothing. I think not even a shoelace, lest you say you made me rich. Because you know what the enemy wants to do? wants to give you an IOU. Just keep some of the stuff. Just keep some of the, come on. Just keep a little for yourself. Yeah. Remember Achan? He tried that. That didn't work so good for him or his family. You got to just keep a little IOUs. He's got a lot of IOUs out there. So you just give it. But what, what did Abraham do? Abraham said no. Hallelujah. Do you know what the kingdom of God is? The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. Those three things. Some people want two out of three. Don't work. I'll take the righteousness and the peace, but that joy stuff. Well, eh, wrong. All three are nothing. Well, I'll take some joy and peace, but who cares about the righteousness? Eh, that's bad. Kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. Do you know that immediately after Abraham said no to Sodom, immediately after, you can read it in the Bible, I'm not going to read it. God promised him a son immediately after. That was his greatest test. Greatest. Immediately after. Immediately. When he said, no, I'm not giving nothing to you. I, I, I tied the Melchizedek, who was a representative of you, God. So, and God goes, and then he says, you know, you're greatly blessed. Abraham goes, how can I be blessed? Because my heir is my servant. God goes, your heir is not your servant. You guys, there's people sitting here. You think, you're, you think this, your servant is going to be your heir. Are you kidding me? Somebody else will have the revival. You have the revival. Somebody else is going to do You do it. Don't underestimate God. Because some of you have already paid this price. God's waiting for you to stand up. God goes, Abraham. Your servant will not be your heir. Well, how could that happen? There's no way he could have a child. But God gave him a child. You know what his name was? Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Laughter. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So let's go back to uh, Hebrews. Chapter Shadabadom Baranda. I think it's four. <laughs> You can sing while I'm looking for Hebrews 4. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Okay, that's not it. We'll go somewhere else. Seven. Here we go, seven. Now he's talking about Melchizedek. Because he knows, Paul knows we need to hear, whoever wrote Hebrews, we need to hear about Melchizedek and understand, woo, hallelujah. We're either going to go God's way or Sodom's way. Now, we could say the devil's way. I'm going to use Sodom because this is what, that's what it just talked about. But listen to this. 
For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God who met Abraham, Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First, being translated, king of righteousness. So Melchizedek means what? King of righteousness. And then it says, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. King of what? Peace. King of what? Peace. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and an Isaac to boot, joy. That's what Abraham embodied. He embodied the kingdom of God. And when he tied, and when he gave willingly into righteousness and peace, he got some joy. Woo! Right after. He got an Isaac. I'm telling you, revivals are my Isaac. Revival is my Isaac. Revival is my Isaac. I don't care. Well, you're 100 years old. You've been preaching this for 40. Well, I don't care. I have an Isaac. I have an Isaac. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Not just righteousness and peace. Joy. Melchizedek, righteousness. Salem, peace. Isaac, laughter, joy. And you say, well, where in the Bible does it say that if you don't have the peace, you're going to end up with Sodom? Well, I'm glad you said that. Let's go back to Matthew. Right? Well, nobody did ask it out loud, but you might be thinking. You know, I love the Word of God. You know, I have some strange and wonderful and great experiences. None of them are strange to God, but to us and me, sometimes they are. But I can tell you something. God is just, I'm a blessed man because they, God brings them to me out of the Word of God all the time. Every experience I have comes out of the Word. Every revelation comes out of the Word. It, I don't get it outside of the Word. It always comes with the Word. Inside the Word of God is every revelation from God. Inside the Word of God is every visitation from God. Inside the Word of God is every habitation of God. Because the Word of God is living. It means it's actually alive. And there's a whole world inside of every word from God that you can live in and live out. Too many of us, we have doctrines with no reality. But the doctrine itself is a reality. If you go inside, then the reality of the kingdom would begin to be manifested. That's what Jesus did. He was the living word. He would preach and then demonstrate the kingdom because inside the words that he preached, out came life and healing and the power of God because he was the word. That's why our words should produce life and not death. We have the good news, not the bad news. We're to preach the good news. When the angels showed up, you know, they, 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 they said uh, tidings of joy, not tidings of depression. Peace on earth. Why wouldn't the world would say peace on earth? You know, the people sing about the peace on earth, but they're not talking about the, this kind of peace. It's talking about the peace of God coming on the earth and walking around and then getting inside of people. I said the devil is absolutely frightened. The devil will start wars and is starting wars right now because of the revelation of what I'm talking about. Because of this revelation and the threat of revival, the devil will start world wars. I am telling you, the devil does not start wars or even world wars because he's afraid of another nation. He starts wars and world, uh, world wars because of the glory of God inside of people. And because when it begins to manifest, especially the peace of God comes, he knows he's, a, he's done. So he'll do exactly the opposite. What's the opposite of peace? War. He'll do it. He doesn't want to. You know why? Lukewarmness works just fine for the devil. He'd rather he didn't have to do anything like that. Just let everybody be lukewarm and no crushing. He won't get crushed. Because the devil's not so much concerned about you going to hell. He's concerned about going to the lake of fire. And that's what he's more, it consumes him every day. He does everything he does today not to go into the lake of fire. 
everything first. Because you're selfish, right? If any of that offends you, just have a devil. Just keep drinking heavily. Okay, good. Okay, Matthew 10. Let's read that again, verse 11. Whatever city or town you enter, inquire who, who and it's worthy, and stay there till you go out. Now, now I'm talking about, not necessarily now houses. I'm talking about, let's say, your house or the place you go. You've got to find that place of peace. Or when, if you're a minister, you go to that place where there's peace, and you can minister out of that place. That's why, you, you know what? I'm sure the disciples didn't go in and just sort of kick their shoes off, take the guy's couch, move it around if he had a TV, which they didn't, but didn't, you know, if he would have had, you know, just do their own thing, sleep where they want, just raid the fridge. I bet you they were very, very polite, and, they were, and when they came in that place, they listened to the guy. Where, where are we sleeping? Here's what we're eating. They were, that's what I do when I come. I try to come underneath the person that runs the place, not do my own thing. Because there's not going to be any peace. There'll be confusion. Right? But look at this. Here's what it says. So, verse 13, if the household's worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. Verse 14, and whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Now look, verse 15, assuredly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on that day. You'll have peace or you'll have Sodom and Gomorrah. Now there's a spirit on the earth. We don't have to look very far. You can turn on your TV. And there's a tremendous battle in North America. We f- so often as Christians, we fight we fight the, we're trying to fight the fight, but we fight it in the flesh. And we see issues, we want to change them so we get angry. But the Bible says the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What produces the righteousness of God? I already told you. Righteousness is produced by those that sow peace and who make peace. Unrighteousness will melt in the presence of the peace of God if you know how to do it. I've witnessed it literally, I'm not talking in meetings, one-on-one, thousands of people. I worked in the public school district in Canada, in British Columbia, for 12 years. I talked to hundreds, probably thousands of people about Jesus. And I should have lost my job a thousand times because you can't do that. I did it on the job in a school. And all I got was more favor and more promotion and people liked me. Now, you know what? They not all, all agreed with me. And half of them feared me because they weren't saved. But they liked me anyway. You know why? They knew I had a passion in here. And it wasn't just here. They knew I was just, I was, I was just uh, telling Bill and Steve in the car. And it just came out of me. You know, we're, we're, we, we want to sign, you know, all these petitions. You know, they're going to be this law, law. And back then it was the same-sex marriages, you know. And I said, you know what? I'm not signing the thing because it's going to pass. Because 10 years ago, nobody, you know, I'd be the only one talking about this stuff. I remember this one teacher came in, and she was just swearing up a storm. She said, oh, this girl got pregnant again, this 14-year-old, and I'm on Monday, I'm going to take her to the, you know, to the clinic. She's going to get an abortion. And you know, I didn't plan to say it, you guys. I said, you should be ashamed of yourself. It just come out of me. I said, you know what? You know what's wrong. And there was like 25 or 26 other teachers sitting right there. I said, you should be ashamed of yourself. I said, that poor girl's going through that. She found herself pregnant. Are you going to take her to the abortion? I said, two rights don't make it wrong, and you know it, and you know it's wrong. And I said, and everybody in here does. And I walked out, and I said, what did I just say? But you know what I'm telling you? The, I thought the woman was going to start to cry because she knew what I was saying was right. It was like God just stripped whatever it was off of everybody in the room, and they're like, oh, man, he's right. Listen. There's a way to do it, you guys. But if you don't have peace... 
people detect it. They won't respond. If you're doing it out of anger, well, I'm right and you're wrong and you're, you know what? You have to, so, you say, what am I saying? Think or give three seconds before you blurt something out just because you're right. Jesus was right all the time. He could have said anything. He was always right. He did, but he didn't operate that way. Now, give me the stone. I'll stone her first. He didn't operate that way, but he didn't excuse sin ever. But he was a friend of sinners. Before Jesus was a savior, he was a friend of sinners. Did you know that? He didn't just become their savior one day. No, 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 no. Before he was their savior and hung on the cross, he was their friend. There's all sorts of issues happening. I love Muslims. They make the best Christians. I do. I go on record. I love Muslims. They make the best Christians. Most of the people I, I minister to in Indonesia, and there are thousands of them in the churches, they were all Muslims at one point. Muslims were coming to our meetings because they heard of gold teeth and feathers coming, and they liked it all. And, and, and some of the Christians were outside petitioning against me. I was the Antichrist, and, and I got blamed for some of your stuff, I guess, Bill, too. But anyway, I was, you know, we were the false prophets from Canada, and you were all thrown in the, well, not you personally, but Toronto got me in trouble. And you were there a lot, so we share the blame. <laughs> you know how it goes. But you know, it's amazing. The unsaved would come didn't bother those Muslims a bit. And the rich guys would come. I mean, wealthy. I had an altar call for the pregnant women one time. and We had about 10 or 12 pregnant women and 50 men lined up. Most of them were Muslim businessmen in a church of about 2,500, 3,000. And they all line up and they had their Armani suits and their Rolexes and, and their whatever they are, unpronounceable, expensive watches like Bill wears. But no, but <laughs> he doesn't. Uh, I told the interpreter, I said, you missed that. I said, I wanted the pregnant women. He goes, no. He said, these people, they just, they're here to get saved. They just, they, they're here for you. They want to touch you. They, they want you to touch them. They want you to pray. They did something. I said, if I interpret that again, you'll get 50 more guys come up. I said, come on. So I went up to the first guy. He's standing there. I mean, he's decked right out. I said, are you pregnant? He said, yes. <laughs> so I prayed for the 50 pregnant men and the women. We're having altar calls between 50 and 70 people would get saved every single service. But here's the deal. We got the three in one was happening. God says, let me, let me just sit back. He says, sit back. You can see the whole meal deal. So we got them all up there. We prayed the sinner's prayer. I didn't know what to do after. I know you send them in the side room and they'll take care of them because most of these guys are walking away from a life they can never go back to. Not even their family. Can't go back to their family. That's it. There's so all of a sudden I'm sitting there and about... 90% of them start getting delivered from whatever ailed them. And they're like doing all the, a couple fell down, a few foamed at the mouth. But I didn't do anything. I didn't even say anything, didn't rebuke anything, just watch God. And all of a sudden, you know, guys would get up and they straighten their tie and, you know, and they stand there and they're like, what happened? And all of a sudden, all at once, they all start speaking in tongues. I didn't even pray for them. They're all, I'm like, yeah, I'll speak in tongues. You're good. Okay, follow that guy to the back room. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. Jesus is giving us a weapon, a weapon of peace. Yeah. I'm gonna, we're we're going to give you an opportunity now. I'm going to give you an opportunity to get another weapon out. It's called your giving weapon. Don't anybody leave or we'll lock the doors. Is that okay? We'll. Listen, if you learn how to sow, if you learn how to sow, you know what Abraham did? He tithed because he wanted to. 
I'm not saying give me a tithe. More than the tithe. No, I, I'm saying we're going to give you an opportunity to give today. But you know what we're going to sow into? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I want you to sow, and I want you to pray about sowing into Sammy's ministry. He has a very dynamic, unusual ministry. He really does. He's going to be, he's going to be one of the helping chaplains at the, at the NBA All-Star game. How does that happen, you guys? I'm so proud of him because he gave up a basketball career. And then he had a dream, and God gave it back to him. And he's surrounded by professional athletes that love him and that call him up. And he was just sharing today, we're going to Cuba, and this, at least that's the plan, it's all set up in January 2017. And because of his contacts, about 12 or 15 uh, Major League Baseball players going to Cuba, first time they're going to have a baseball game between Major League, they're all Christians, between Major League Baseball players and Cuban National Baseball players in the biggest stadium in Havana, seats 54,000. And they have a minister of religion, believe it or not, because they've secretly renounced communism completely. And uh, they want to take a look at real Christianity, not the fake, they told the friend that you know. And, uh, and they, because they've got to know this guy, <laughs> they said, I've, they, he said, they knew stuff about me I didn't even know. I mean, they know how to check you out. And, and they went, you're real. That's the fellow from Ontario that's coming, that's heading this up, and he's working with Sammy. And so, God willing, we're going down there. You know, because Stacy phoned me up and said, listen, you know, they want to do this. You know, Sammy said he can help go to Cuba. And I was in a restaurant in, in Langley, British Columbia, you guys. And Stacy says, we want you to come to Cuba. And Sammy says he's going to bring some ball players. And, and I'm like, I know it's God. I, went, I was so excited I went to the bathroom. Did that ever happen to you? You got so excited I went to the bathroom? <laughs> I'm walking to the bathroom, you guys, in the Red Robin. My wife was with me, but not in the bathroom. She was here. I was heading there. And if you've ever been to a Red Robin's, it has all these pictures on the wall. As I'm going to the bathroom, I look, and here's a picture of Fidel Castro with a big cigar and a baseball bat on his shoulder. God's good, eh? We want you to sow tonight in the Voice of Revival. Sammy, you got some envelopes? Okay, can you come on down to the front? We're, I'm going to pray over the envelopes. Sammy's got a debit machine at the back. I want you to sow. Now, Melchizedek can't be here in the flesh. <laughs> but we can still sow to God, Amen. Nobody laughed at that, so anyway. Come on up here. I want to lay hands on those envelopes. You know why I lay hands on We've had We had 17 days of revival, you guys. Every day, God told me to pray for the envelopes. So that if, when people got a hold of the envelopes, they get blasted just by holding the envelope. So it's not a gimmick to give, but it's, it's a gimmick to get blessed. How's that? Oh. Let's, let's close your eyes for a minute. Father, I just thank you for every person in this room. Lord, I thank you that it's pregnant with revival. I see a garden that's about to be released over this place because the miracle grow has been poured out and poured out and poured out and poured out and poured out on the soil. As the soil is good, it's about to, about to release a, fruit, a lot of fruit and a lot of flowers. So, Father, Father, thank you for your garden in this place. And God, as people give, may they get blasted and blessed even as they give. If they can give big, God, speak to them to give big. If they can only give little, let them give little, but let them all get blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Boom. Wow, now you can give out the envelope. So if you need an envelope, you want a tax receipt, you can give there. You can give by, by credit card, make it to Voice of Revival. No, check, make it to Voice of Revival. Sammy's got a debit machine. No, TJ's got the debit machine. So you give by debit machine, you won't miss anything. You know, God told me a couple of years ago, he said this, he said, uh, I had a dream, two dreams. God said, if you do not give, 
he said this, if your prophetic generation, your age, does not give away their prophetic voice, put your hand up really high so they can see you. If, they do not, if you do not give your prophetic voice away, you and your generation will lose it if you don't give it to the next generation. And I thought, well, how am I going to do that? I mean, how is that going to work? How do you give your prophetic voice away to the next generation? I remember I had one service where I said, all the young people come down, I'm going to give you my prophetic. That didn't work, but I, I tried. Because sometimes God speaks to you, you just don't know how to do it. You need the wisdom, right? And so then a couple of years ago, the Lord spoke to me, I want you to give your ministry that I had for 25 years. It's an international, he, he has a unique ministry. There's only four like it in Canada. He has a Canadian international ministry. As, they, as, they, as people give up their ministries, they, will, they won't, uh, you'll never see any of these kind of ministries again. So he can do what most ministries can't do. It's, a, it's like a profit, non-profit, it's, that's what they told us. I got a phone call when I moved to Quebec. They said, you guys are legends. Because there's only four, four different groups in Canada that have that, that, have that uh, number that can do what you do. So I felt special. Why did I say all that? I forget. Oh, yeah, I gave him my ministry. You know what he called it? Voice of Revival. And I didn't put it together until God said, that's what you did. You gave it over to Sammy, and he's got your voice for the next generation. And it's called Voice of Revival. If you don't give what you have away, you'll lose it. Freely you've received, freely give. That includes your finances. It doesn't mean you give it all away, but you give some of it away. We want to sow, you guys. We've, we've come here. This is all Sammy. Sammy does it. He's your host. I'm helping out. He wanted to bring Bill. He wanted to bring Steve. He wanted to bring me. He wanted to bring TJ. He wanted to come here. And so that's what you're sowing into is the work of God. Hallelujah. And you're sowing into your own work. Amen? You're sowing into the peace of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Did you have anything to say, Sammy? You're still, or are you just sitting at the front? I got a little bit more. Are you got something to say? Oh. Maybe we should confer. He says he's going to wrap up. You're not wrapping me up. Okay, wrapping up. Okay. I'll just, million, M-I-L-L-I-O-N. If there's more than one, it's at an S on the end. You can put as many zeros on your number as long as you have another number in front of it. And you have that in the bank. Amen? Okay. I tell you, in Indonesia, you'd be shocked. I, I've, I've met seven billionaires in Indonesia. I've been in most of their homes. And they love Jesus. And every one of them says the same thing. We're intercessors with a billion dollars, and you sure are. I check Forbes' list of Indonesian billionaires. They're all on there. You know what they use their money for? The church and taking care of the poor. There's just one. He, they wouldn't tell you, but I know because I've been with them. Sammy's been with them. They, some of these guys spend tens of millions of their own personal dollar taking care of the poor. Tens of millions of their own money taking care of the poor. One, one lady told me, Mr. Beefman, actually his, we need to pray for him because his office is right there, right in front of where these people got killed today. He loves Sammy. He'll fly Sammy. We call him Mr. Beefman because he's one of the biggest importers of beef in Indonesia. And one of the most successful steakhouses in all of Indonesia is called Holy Cow. And he supplies the meat. Go for you. It's called Holy Cow, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like a McDonald's steakhouse. It's so popular. Holy Cow. And it is awesome. Okay, yeah. We won't say McDonald's. Okay. Yeah, in front of him, you mean. Oh, McDonald's steak. Did I say McDonald's steakhouse? No, it's not like the McDonald's. You know, anyway. It's not like cheap. 
Anyway, he, um, he likes Sammy. Don't ask me. No, he, he's, he likes Sammy's. But I, I keep getting off track, Sammy. What was I going to say about Mr. Beefman? He's got a name this long that you can't pronounce, so we call him Mr. Beefman. I don't even know. What's his real name? No, Eddie. Eddie owns the five TV stations. And the other guy, we ate $10,000 worth of seafood. Yeah. Peter was his name. Must have been what? We're very, well, most, I'm allergic to shellfish, so it wasn't me. It was Todd Bentley and his gang of thugs. <laughs> Todd, if you're, if you're watching, you're not, you weren't included in one of the thugs. It was the other. Uh, I tell you, we went to that restaurant, and, and the, the guys got attacked by God, and there was a big pile of people piled up, and there's like seven bodyguards with a big pile of holy rollers laughing. They didn't know what to do with us. I was the only sane one of the bunch, believe it or not. I get, I get very inebriated, so it's okay. That's what we want. That's what we came here for, right? Did you come here to be inebriated and pickled by God? Bapti baptismo literally means to be pickled. Pickled. Baptismo, right? You go in the water, a cucumber. You come out, a sunshine dill. I mean, you, you come out saturated. You don't even taste like a, like a cucumber anymore. Don't you want to be that kind of a Christian? Who wants a cucumber Christian? No, but a dill will be okay. Or what's the other ones, the, the sweet ones? Butter. Butter who? Butter pecan. Butter pickles. There's another name that goes to the butter. You're Bread and butter. Bill's getting hungry. I'll stop talking about I'm almost done. I'm, wait, everybody done writing? Hold up your offering because I'm going to pray. Lord, right now, let the peace of God that passes all understanding come upon these people. Every single dollar right now that's represented, God sees it. Multiply it, Lord. Not only multiply it. According to Ecclesiastes, where you give, it says you're giving because you don't know when the day of evil will come. You give a portion to the six and the seven because you don't know when the day of evil will come. Amen. Okay. So the ushers or usherettes can come and uh, pick up the offering. This feels very good in here. I feel like it's just dumped into the deep end of the pool. Oh. Oh. You know, we're in uh, Winnipeg. Are we, on, are we being, at, uh, we're not on TV anymore? Okay, good. We're in Winnipeg. And, uh, uh. Uh, Carol or not, was there a Carol or not? Ever to Carol or not? John or not? Carol or not? I want to be Charlie was not. That's what I want to be. So that, so that, that uh, Enoch walked with God and was a was not. Because God took him. I want to be a was not. Charlie and Shirley was not. But anyway, John and Carol are not. Carol are not was there. So she's ahead of us. We're not, she's not a wasn't, she's an R-not. She's, she's R-not. Anyway, she's a, people just got on the floor, they couldn't get up, you guys. Like for two or three hours, the glory would come and then keep coming. And after that, it would keep coming. And people had never, ever been touched, got touched by God. And, and the glory kept coming. The glory's here right now. If I were you, just sit there and just receive from heaven what God wants to give you. If you need healing, just receive it from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Lord, if people have metal in their body, I pray you'd burn it out right now in the name of Jesus. Not burp it out, burn it out. 
Burn out the metal. Some of you might need to burp out some things. But anyway, the metal, let it burn out. Father, I thank you for burning out metal. Burning out metal. And by metal, I'm not your teeth. I'm talking about, about, about if you have any metal in your body, any, any rods, anything like that, that are put in any screws that the doctors put in your ankles, your knees. Father, I thank you for healing people right now. I speak to hips right now to be healed. Lord, I release correction over hips that are out of whack. Lord, I release your healing over joints right now in the name of Jesus. I release healing over jaws in the name of Jesus. Not the fish, your jaws right here. Anybody have TMJ? Is it, if you have TMJ, can you come up? Do you know what that means, TMJ? I don't know what it means. I just know TMJ means your jaw is in bad shape. So come up. You know, I had this prayer. Usually it's women, but I had this prayer. I was at the lighthouse. How many know the lighthouse is totally plain? How many know they have a Bible school there? Well, the teacher and the head of the Bible school, I didn't know, he had severe T TMJ. He couldn't preach. He could hardly speak. Like severe. He had to take two shots of cortisone every day. Tim, two shots of cortisone every single day for like four years. And I had a call for TMJ, and a whole whack of women came up. I was going to a herd. I mean, it just a whole lot. And him. But he never made it. I saw him come up, and he went like this. And he went and sat down. I thought, I don't know what happened. He either got healed or gave up, one or the other, and went and sat down. And a couple of years later, I mean, I met him later, and, and like a couple of years later, and he's got this thing in this great school, and, and he came and told me. He just walked up and got healed. So you didn't even have to make it up here to get healed. Oh, did, did, you have, did you have something we can pray for you? Somebody's calling you. Okay. Anybody else have TMJ? Going once. <laughs> Do you know what TMJ is? Is the issue here? Yeah, pain in the jaw. God's good, eh, Sammy? I'm wrecked. You're going to have to roll me up in a minute. What did you say? You're going to roll it up? You're going to roll me up? Wrap me up. Okay. Okay, praise God. How many are sick? Put your hand up, way up. I'm not going to go out to get you too debriated, but I'll pray from here. Most of my miracles happen right from here. Oh, something's going to happen in this town. Yeah. Something's going to happen in this town. You know why? Lots of good seeds have been sown. You're about to see the harvest of seeds have been sown. You're about to see miracle grow that's been in the ground. It's going to come forth suddenly. Suddenly. I see Malachi 4, 3 and 4. Suddenly, he whom you seek will come. Suddenly, the day that's coming will burn like an oven. All the wicked and those that are proud will be burnt up. So they will not have root or branch. But for you, for you that love him, for you that trust him, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. With what? Healing. Lord, heal people tonight in the name of Jesus. Let the son of righteousness come with healing in his wings. Lord, the son of righteousness is in the room. I'm telling you, the son of righteousness, I got my eyes closed and it's brighter. Than, it's like the sun right now. God is sitting right in the room. So whatever you need, just, I don't care if you feel it or not, just grab a hold of that right now and receive it in the name of Jesus. It's time to sow into righteousness, peace, and joy in every area of our life. And unless we hook into that, the, 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 the enemy's going to have a hook in you. It's time to sow into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the world. And, and, it's, and it's just it. There's no in-between. God wants us to know that we can so willily. Melchizedek righteousness. Uh, you know, I preach this as the craziest thing. I preach this in this little tiny church the very, very first time. 
I first did in the, uh, what was that, in Leduc, that tiny little town, a little, tiny little church. And a lady whose mom had died a year before, God said, I want, to bring, I want you to bring your mom, because she loved that church. And, she had, and her daughter came and brought her mom's Bible. I didn't know it. She put it on the front row and opened it up. And I, I saw her putting it there, and she walked back. And because the Lord said, your mom, this is the kind of meeting tonight that your mom would really love. So put her Bible there. And the only, she, she opened it up randomly, and the chapter she opened it up to was Hebrews 7, and it underlined that scripture that I read about, about the uh, king of peace. Like, can you imagine that? And then there's this lady, th this lady, uh, because he was called the, uh, uh, he was called Melchizedek, king of, uh, king of Salem. And Salem means what? Peace. And there's one lady there, she was wondering, God, should I keep my job? Should I keep my job or should I leave? She worked where people were dying uh, in one of those transition houses. And, and the name of the house was House of Salem. And that's what I preached on that night. She didn't know it was actually called a House of Peace. This is a house of peace. I feel peace right now. That's why I'm so, I'm treading water here. Yeah. You can get more right now than 10 years of going to church. Right now. Do you want it? How many want to see revival? Uh, okay. Here's what we're going to do, and then I'm going to give, give it to Sammy so you can wrap me up. I want everybody to stand up. I want you to do something a little unusual. I want you to tip your head back. Is this a PAOC church? Okay, just checking. <laughs> Lord, we need some extra power. No, it's all good. I like PAOC churches. You know what? Lots of good seed is about to come forth. I'm telling you, lots of good seed. Okay, tilt, tilt your head back. Put your hands this way. Expect to receive something from heaven. Father, we thank you right now. We expect to receive something from heaven. Let the river of life come. I see the heavens pregnant over this place. Lord, just put a pin in that. Just pop it. I pray for Malachi 3, verse 4. Lord, I pray that you'd rend the heavens and come down. Lord, I pray that you'd open the heavens. I pray that you'd revive your work in the midst of the years. Right now, I release hope to the hopeless. I release strength to the weak. I release power to the powerless. I release favor to the favorless. And to the, to the, to the single and the people that feel alone. Lord, the companionship of God. Lord, press your hand against their hand. Lord, kiss them on the cheek. Lord, shine on us. Your word says, shine on us and we will be saved. It literally says that three times in one psalm. It says, shine on us and we will be saved. It literally means to smile. When God smile, it smiles at us, I feel like I feel the room. I feel like a big sun, just a warm sun shining on us. Oh, I tell you what, God's shining on you. That's why I'm treading water. He's shining on you. He knows the things you've been through. Even if you've been through bankruptcy, I tell you, God knows it. And you know what he does? Psalm 2, laughs, not at you, at the devil. I have financial issues. It's drying up. Well, get your wallet out and start laughing with God. Hallelujah. Because God says that he will supply all of your need, not according to your need, but according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I'll tell you, the river of life, we're in it right now. We're in the deep end of the pool. Come on, just let God, don't let me get it all.
We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.